Super Flex City. Oh, what a feeling when you're dancing in the city. That's that's what we need a parody to. We've got the par- <laughs> the fantasy parody king. I, I don't know. That doesn't roll right. Um, no. <laughs> Zach Reed, how the hell are you, dude? Oh, not not too bad. I'll put that on my docket. I've I've been doing Scott Fishbowl, uh, Scott Fishbowl Potathon, some opens. I'll I'll put uh, dancing in the city uh, on my on my list to see if I can come up with something oh, for man. you. <laughs> see what you can do. We'll probably be done with this pretty soon. I know John's got a couple coming out too, but we might not. We might, <laughs> it might be a waste of time. <laughs> It'd be sweet though. I'll take it. <laughs> Man, how the hell are you, dude? Thanks a ton for coming on. I, I'm doing well. Uh, it's it's the, the Scott Fishbowl and and kind of everything around the Scott Fishbowl is my favorite time of year in the community, and it it really starts to feel it, it has that communal feel again. Everybody's lifting everybody up. Everybody's retweeting, you know, charity yeah. links and and talking about charity leagues and and it's just like the the fire is yeah. back, the fun is back, the 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 camaraderie and and everything. And so this is this is my favorite time of year uh, in this space. Yeah, we talked about that on another one of these too. Is not only the charity that obviously is involved through toys for tots and fantasy cares and scott fishbowl but how it you can truly see how it does inspire us all in in other ways to do other things for charity and and you do see it a ton this time of year and it, it's awesome and it warms you definitely and it is great to see that camaraderie like hopefully we can see some of that continue throughout the year you know and just kind of um continue to get to know people support each other you know like um even just just reach out to people see how they're doing you never know what people are going through that day um but dude we're here to talk about some music yes, and you're in yes. the bob dylan division i am correct like i am i am so was that your first pick for your division and if so what was your second one and did you get your pick of choice? That's a so, handful. <laughs> it's it's multifactorial. You're just hitting me with all the questions at once. Uh, to, to answer the first part of that, uh, before there were pull-down menus, I had a different number one. So when, when you initially entered the Scott Fishbowl and Scott said, you know, type in your choices, my first choice was Warren Zevon. And probably not a lot of people have probably heard of Warren Zevon. You have heard Warren Zevon. You may not have heard of Warren Zevon, but but Werewolves of London that gets played every Halloween. Uh, you know, Awoo, Werewolves of London. You know, that that is okay. Warren Zevon. Uh, and he is masterful uh as a songwriter, and he'll take like these really heavy uh ideas. And put them into songs. And I, I actually, I, I had the the pleasure of seeing him in, it's like 93 or 94 with my dad. And we went to Sugarloaf Mountain uh, in Western Maine. And Warren Zevon was playing. And he 
uh, he man, he's amazing. I'm I'm getting chills just thinking about it. But he came out and there was a like an orchestra strike, and his band decided that they were going to show solidarity and didn't travel with him. And so he comes out and he's got the the big Steinway piano, and he's in a white tux, and he says, "Ladies and gentlemen." As you can tell, my band didn't come with me today. If you want your money back, there's a lady at the door who will take your ticket and give you your money. And nobody got up. And I'm like, I'm like 12, 13. And, and he's like, okay, then. And he flips his tails on his tux, sits down on the piano and plays for like three hours. And it was just awesome. And so like, that's my, he was my first pick followed closely by bob dylan that's awesome that's awesome so we're gonna take a huge turn i guess maybe this is too quick so you mentioned you're in maine you and kyle from dynasty dummies like which i did really didn't mention at the beginning of the show how was it growing up in and you said that the place you were it was a little bit more liberal but how was it for you in your town musically like was it a little bit more conservative or to find music like how was that so it was it was interesting so i grew up in northern maine so i i I grew up you know it wasn't the end of the world but you could see it from there and and firmly ensconced in like country music like that was that was what everybody around me was listening to and my dad like my dad's an english teacher and so I grew up on, you know, like I said, Warren Zevon. I grew up on Bob Dylan, uh, the Traveling Wilburys, Joan Baez, Zeppelin, the Beatles, like all of these lyricists. And so, like, it was it was really different than what everybody else was listening to. But the reason why I listened to that sort of thing is there were only two things that I could talk about with my dad. You talked about sports. Or you talked about music because this is the staunch New England, you know, the father who who doesn't say I love you. And, and he finally told me he was proud of me when I was a sophomore in high school for the first time. And so, like, you, you grow up trying to find these little, like, love languages. And one of the one of the ways I could connect with him was Bob Dylan. And, and so, you know, you'd sit there and, like, you know, listen to Bob Dylan or you'd, you'd see lyrics and he and I would sit there and, and talk about him or we'd be riding to school in the morning and and you'd hear, you know, you'd have he'd throw in a Bob Dylan cassette tape because I'm old enough that you threw in cassette tapes and, you know, you're sitting there listening to, to that sort of thing. And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I've always had that love of music. And then and this is going to sound really I, I guess maybe not too strange if you if you follow the podcast and, and you've heard all my parodies, but like I was in chorus and show choir uh, in high school. And so when I first got to high school, my freshman year, our show choir won third at nationals. So we were like the third best high school wow, show choir nice. in the country had nothing to do with me. Like I was, I was a, a bass. I'm sitting there like boom, 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 you know, and, and we had three Still girls. Cool. Well, we had three girls who ended up on Broadway. And so then I spent wow. the next, my next three years in chorus and show choir trying to convince the, the, the woman who conducted us to let us sing like Beach Boys and the Beatles and that sort of thing. So, so I, I, I tried to kind of bring my own 
uh, flair and interest into this other space. Um, but but again, it was it was so different than what everyone else was doing. I mean, look, you there weren't very many guys in the show choir in uh, in Lincoln, Maine, uh, at, at that point. I think there were probably five of us out of a school of four hundred that that were in were in the show choir. So it was it was a little bit different uh and and certainly got you ostracized a little bit but i wouldn't i wouldn't change it i had a lot yeah. of fun i got to i got to see i mean we get to go to washington dc uh as a freshman like we that that's the only time that some of the the people that i went to school with ever got outside of maine was to go do that so you know it was it was quite an experience yeah that's interesting too when you do live in places like that like um for me, like I'm in Michigan and we have the Mackinac Bridge and there's people that are in the state that haven't been to the Mackinac Bridge. Hmm. And and to me, that's that's kind of weird, but it's really that way. You know, some people just don't get away that much. So, yeah, some of those things you do take for granted, I think um, it's interesting. You mentioned like the the connection and um maybe even the acceptance that you you want from like that your father and listening to Bob Dylan and today I feel kind of like I chase for that acceptance from my son <laughs> it's yeah. like almost reversed but now I'm wondering like maybe maybe he is searching for that in me too when he's listening to new music and stuff like that because we have a different relationship where like um, and it's a different time, you know, like with technology, but we have a different relationship where I'll share music with him or he'll show me something. And um, it, I live kind of vicariously through him as well. And um, that's one thing that like those connections with music and to be able to share music, I think, is what makes it, it kind of just like brings it full circle to that full appreciation for sure. And, and, and I'll tell you, like, I will guarantee you that when your son is 40, he'll be listening to music that you shared with him and, and like having these great memories. Like it, it's amazing to me how smell and, and sound ties to memories. In fact, like the, the literal earliest memory Dude. I have, I, I am probably two or three. And my dad has me up on his shoulder and we're in the living room of, of our farmhouse and he's dancing with me. And I remember the song because I don't remember the, the lyrics, but it's Joker Man. It's Bob Dylan Joker Man. And like in the memory, it's da 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 and like I like I have that. And that's like the earliest memory I have. And it's a freaking Bob Dylan song yeah. that, that, that my dad was, was dance. I was probably, you know, having a bad dream or, or not going to sleep well. And like he, he picked me up and, and so, you know, absolutely that, that tie with music and memory and, and the connection to people. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, dude, it's, it's really crazy. So, I think that you are my sixth interview of doing these little, these little like music talks, if we could call them that. And um, I've learned an incredible amount about myself 
doing yeah. these with everybody else and in these talks and like um it even made me think like did you ever listen to sublime or sublime's maybe the bad example but um he does the bob marley song um trenchtown rock one one good thing about music is when it when it hits you you feel no pain so hit me with music brutalize me with music and when it hits you it feels no pain and um they were wrong because mm-hmm. it can hurt there 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 is there is a side like i've hurt <laughs> through some of this process and there are songs that like i know that i can listen to and they hurt me for better or for worse like sometimes it um if it it's a good hurt <laughs> sometimes you know sometimes some of those feelings you you do need to feel but oh, like I, I i don't know man it's been really interesting cuz for the majority of my life i would like listen to that and believe it like oh it feels so good and for the most part it does and i believe that bob marley and bradley made music and they their intention was to make people feel good through it and i think that they did achieve that goal but i can still tell you that it can hit you and hurt <laughs> like, but 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 fucking hit me with it man like because i <laughs> i want to feel it here and there and maybe even a little bit more i want to dig into those songs that hurt me more and try to like fight through them a little more often and that is i mean like as a as a because i'm a i'm a writer by like I guess not by trade because by trade I design and engineer battleships at this point, but like, but really like if you ask me what I am, I'm a writer. I went to school for writing. I love words. And you know, you you mentioned that, that connection and it, it immediately pulls me to uh, being in college and I, I, I was required to go to readings. And one of the readings was this poet named Tony Hoagland. He's fantastic. He he's passed now. He had, had cancer, but he was talking about, it was a poem about his mother and his mother had abused him as a kid. And she had like Alzheimer's at that. And and the poem was about him uh, taking care of her. And he took her out of the tub in the poem and held her out longer than, than he needed to. And she got uncomfortable. And I, because I was cool, I was the baseball player. I was sitting up in the back of this like thousand seat, uh, you know, it's not a arena, but like the like a like a um, oh, like a lecture hall. But it was like a thousand seats, and so I'm sitting way up in the back, and and he's reading this poem about holding his mother out and like causing her physical pain, and every single person in that whole auditorium shifted uncomfortably, and I was like, that's it, that's exactly what I want. That is what art is it doesn't have to make you feel happy it doesn't have to make you feel sad it has to make you feel something and that's what music does too music gets you somewhere whether whether it turns on your endorphins and it makes you happy or whether you have this memory that is tied to complete sadness or whether it makes you angry like it it makes you feel something and that's exactly what it's supposed to do yeah yep yeah and it can take you to so many places and uh I don't know, dude. It's been, um, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Do you have any songs like that that you want to talk about today? <laughs> well, that make me feel sad. I don't, I don't know if I have anything that like really drives me, but, but I do have, so like, 
because I'm doing so many songs, I like I like the I like the 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 lyrics. I like the the twist, the tweak, the that little thing that you don't even notice the first time you're listening. And you mentioned earlier that like I'd written the the theme song for this show, and John had asked me to do that, and it was after James Catullus had passed away, and I was like, I know that this is a mm-hmm. a a a bridge, a new thing, but I want to pay homage to to James because he like I really appreciated him as a person. He was one of the one of the guys I came on and we really kind of connected and and had a you know a, a really good relationship. And if you listen to the lyrics of Superflex City where it says we're going to up your game, the next line is we're going to build up that brain. And that is a 100% cap tip and like little things like that just pop for me and and so so that that's what play. yeah that's what does it and and it's not something like if you didn't know all of the backstory and you didn't know that that everyone called him james the brain and you didn't know the then then you would completely miss it and it's just a, a catchy line in a song but there's so much more there if you know and and like yeah. I know that I know that you know, and I know that John knows, and it was just this little like, hey, cap tip, like this is this is a new show, but man, we're gonna build up that brain. We're gonna keep yeah. we're gonna keep doing something he would be proud of, you know, that sort of thing. Dude, and it's so even funny that you bring up James and um his his so unfortunate passing and like even because that's even kind of what I was think. I thought about James, like even through this and like how the idea, because I try to relate this to us and our fantasy life and what we do. And I don't think that like Bradley from sublime or Bob Marley ever got to really uh, like, we know who they were and to us. They were freaking amazing and famous, but I, they never really got to see what they meant to people and that's that's my correlation to James and like a reminder like I think that like we need within this community is James didn't feel the appreciation that he got after he passed away unfortunately and it's like one of those things like when you you give the flowers after they're gone and then you see this community and sometimes in so much like flux and like so many weird down days where it's just kind of like shit happens, man. And like, I don't know. I bet there's a few people that wish they could say they're sorry to James for one thing or the other. And you don't get those chances. So sometimes it's just, sometimes it's in my head, like, man, don't you guys remember like how together we came for these moments and like, how do we come back apart, but find a way to like, give people that appreciation while you can, while they're here and, and, and just, I don't know, quit, quit worrying about like, I don't know. Even like you and I were talking about before the show, like the community seemed, it used to like be more supportive of each other and what we're doing. And we enjoyed each other. Like, I don't know. It's, it's so easy to shrug and think, well, well, they know. You know, they, they know, but you know what? It's really easy to, to jump in a DM and say, Hey, 
you know, I, you know, I appreciate what you're doing or, or that was a great show or, or even retweeting somebody and just being like, look, they're doing a great job. You should be following them. Any, like things like that. You forget yeah. how much that means and, and how much that builds up the community. Because if we're all pulling together, that, that rising tide lifts everybody. And, and if we're not, then it, it gets pretty ugly. And, and there's a lot of people drowning, which is not the way, uh, not the way we want it to be. Yeah. Or just reach out to somebody and say, hey, how you doing today? Sometimes, yeah. I mean, that means more than you know. So, yeah, <laughs> music. Um, <laughs> so what was the first cassette tape you bought? So I bought two. I went to Bull Moose, which is a music store in, in Maine, and I bought two. Uh, and <laughs> it, it was it, a weird kind of juxtaposition where I bought the best of the beach boys because of course and then i bought please hammer don't hurt him which was which was mc nice, hammer's dude. like first yeah yeah can't touch this you know and uh, and so like that was that was I, like the first my first foray into buying my own uh music <laughs> i love the combo too because it's kind of the way it was when you're younger too like they'd totally be but i think i got my beach boys from columbia house though <laughs> The little one cent, like the <laughs> mail it in, have, have them send it oh, back. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know how they did that for so long. Like, so many of us, I think, got so much music from Columbia House back in the day. <laughs> so, um, what about your first concert? So, first concert uh, was was that Zevon, and okay, yeah, yeah, and and so that was that was great. I, I've seen Bob Dylan in concert, I think, nine times. Um, every time he comes anywhere near Maine, uh, I'm there and it, it's funny. So I, I play guitar, uh, enough to be dangerous. And the, the first guitar I ever got was my freshman year in college. And it was my roommate in college that bought it for me. And so we got there and like, uh, when, when I rolled into the room, his mother was folding his underwear and putting it away for him. And I was like, Oh no. This is going to be just miserable. And so we like my my folks and I went out, got pizza. They came back, dropped me off. By the time we got back, his mom was gone. And he opens up the biggest like CD wallet that I've ever seen filled with Beatles. And I'm like, okay, this could be all right. And then he goes into the closet and he brings out uh, an Epiphone guitar and he starts just hammering away. He's left-handed was amazing and, and just started playing. I was like, okay, this could be all right. Like I, I'm, I'm beyond the, the, your mother's folding your underwear. Now like, we can, <laughs> we can move ahead with this relationship. And so it was like, it, it ended up being just like made in heaven because like he, he was an amazing guitarist and we started to do parody songs. We got played on the, the campus radio. We actually had the number two hit for a while behind some Dave wow. Matthews song yeah, yeah, we were we were like number two to Dave Matthews. Some Dave Matthews. Yeah, song. yeah, and uh, and so he for Christmas didn't tell me, and I, I came back from Christmas break, and there's a guitar on my bed, and I didn't tell him, and I'd bought Dylan tickets for myself and him and his girlfriend, and so like we got there and, and exchanged these gifts that we had had said we weren't going to wow. do anything for each other, and so yeah, yeah and so like. It was this like the music 
you know, kind of uh, bringing us together. And actually, I'm I'm helping him move next Saturday. He's moving from Massachusetts up to Maine, and I'm going to go help him uh, help sweet. him move. So and where's this song? The, what, uh, he probably has it on his. I don't have it at, at all, but it, it was <laughs> it was it was college. I'm not proud of it. It was college humor. It was uh, it Still. was. Uh, uh, not not necessarily in good taste. Wouldn't be one that I would open my podcast with. We'll say that. But but he <laughs> did close it, mine with it. <laughs> it. It got a lot of it got a lot of play. I'll see if I can dig it up. Maybe he's got it. You know, stashed somewhere. I'll, oh, I'll man, ask him when I see him. So sweet. The people need to hear this. <laughs> yeah, that was that was like my first foray into parody songs. We did I don't know six or seven, but one of them was was a real big hit on the campus radio station. Wow. So do you think do you think that the Wallflowers would have had their success if it wasn't for the relationship with Bob Dylan? I I, I like the like I do. I like the Wallflowers and I think I think Jacob Dylan is very talented and tries not to tread on that relationship. Like I I really think he tries to 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 do his own thing. Yeah. Steer away. Yeah, steer away from it and and Bob Dylan steered away from it too like I, i've seen an interview uh with bob dylan and santana and the guy who's conducting the interview asked bob he's like hey uh what do you think about your your nephew with the wallflowers and bob's like yeah i think they're all right and like he didn't correct them like he didn't say no that's my son he's just like yeah i think they're all right you know and it's just like it, it's it's so I, I do th like I do think he's super talented, you know, and and that band is super talented, and I I think they're it may even be a hindrance. Like you imagine yeah. that? Like like yeah. I know for me, Huge. like I, like I was a I'm a I was a baseball player in high school and in college and after college, and my father is in the main baseball hall of fame, and there are some guys that just cast such a shadow that you either are in it and you wither or you grow tall enough to get out of it. And like, you imagine your dad being Bob yeah. Dylan and you're like, Oh, I want to, I want to be in a band. <laughs> like, yeah, man. No doubt. That's, that's ballsy. Yeah. I, I saw the wallflowers once, um, but it was kind of like at a, a small Lake County festival. It was kind of weird huh. in uh Traverse city, Michigan, like growing up when I was a kid. Nice. But, and they happened to be there. I saw ZZ Top there too. Like I think the next year or something, dude. ZZ Top was pretty sweet, actually. Yeah. Like that was a fun one. And that one, like we had, like one of us, we all had tickets, but then one of us had won, like a special ticket from a radio station or something, so you could get like way up close. And we thought we were so cool because we were just kids, you know, and old enough to where you went with like four of your friends, probably 15, 16 years old, you know. But it was pretty fun. That's crazy. It's it's um, it's funny when you see people like out of out of context or in small venues or like like I've seen Jack White open up for Dylan. He was playing with a rack on tours and it was just in Lewiston, Maine, in the dude, ice that would arena. Be sweet. I would oh, love to see that. It, it was crazy and he was awesome. Uh I, I saw uh I think I saw Natalie Merchant open up for Dylan, but she got booed off the stage. It was awful. Um wow. and yeah, it was a weird like that was a weird one. And I've seen Cheryl Crow open up for the Stones back before she was Cheryl Crow. Like she had just started off on her own thing because she was like a backup singer for Michael Jackson. 
and and then ended up doing and and I saw her open up for the Stones. So it's just like it's Dude, weird seeing shows like Rolling Stones, like pre Cheryl Crow, like popularity. Like how, how long ago was that? Oh, it was in the early nineties, maybe late eighties, early nineties. Five, like man, I'm yeah. trying to think. Cheryl Crow, yeah. But like that was when she first started, like on her own after after being a Michael Jackson backup singer. So, man, I mean, but even to see the Stones, like that, yeah, that's, the, the, and that was I went with my my uncle got tickets for that one. I I can't afford the Stones, but he's he's got the he's got the cash. So, you know, I, I I've ridden his coattails to the Stones and the 1999 uh, Final Four uh the basketball Ooh, nice. yeah so i get to see nice. i get to see my dookies lose i was crushed they lost to yukon <laughs> but so what pick do you have i have Scott the second pick behind eric carabell of espn so I, i'm or i'm already like geeking out and and i mean he he's like the fantasy guy at ESPN. I mean, I know Barry's the football guy, but like Carabel is the fantasy guy. So yeah. he, he was like the the guy I read, you know, fantasy baseball and, and forever. So it's uh, that that's that that's going to be interesting. Yeah. So it, man, what are you hoping he does there? I, look, I've narrowed it down to like five positions that I could, I could take, you know, I could, I could take a quarterback, a, a running back, a wide receiver, a tight end or, or a kicker. So I, I'm like, I've got it narrowed down to that, but, but I, I don't know. I've been, I've been looking at um, all of the, the mocks and the ADPs and I've been on the, the, the football workshop doing the quick mocks. I don't know if you've seen that, but that's, that's a pretty good, uh, a pretty good tool, but it, nothing is going to break that way. When, when right. you're in your draft, I mean, you, you've, you know, you've done the Scott Fishbowl, like all yeah. of this ADP, all of the stuff that everyone is telling you is completely out the window at 10 o'clock on, on uh, Monday morning yeah. on the, on the fifth. And it's just, it's, it's gone. Like, so I have no idea. I am dreading the third round reversal. That's <laughs> what I was going to ask you. Like, so if, I mean, do you feel like if you don't get a quarterback there at 102, do you feel like you have to get one at the second before we flip that switch on you with that third round uh, reversal? It, it'll be interesting to see because I think the third round, the tail end of the third round, you're probably looking in that like Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr range, which yep. is they not the end of the. This. It's yeah. not the end of the world. I mean, you may end up with with Stafford in the second. Like, I don't know. Uh, so it's really tempting to me to start off with with one of those real game changer, like positional value with like McCaffrey or Travis Kelsey, because I think they give you such a huge advantage. But then when I start building with those guys. I'm like man i don't know if i love my team <laughs> i don't know and and so like if if carabell takes mccaffrey which is what he did last year so you know I, i've already look i'm already i'm already i see you eric I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm i'm already i'm already on uh josh like a, josh adhd uh has got that uh the sfb uh app that was on roto grinders last year well the sfb x1 is still functional so I've been on okay. that, like scoping out my my league mates and and trying to get a read on what they're nice. doing. And nice. so if he goes McCaffrey, 
it, man, it's it's going to be really difficult deciding between one of those top because I think there are three or four top tier quarterbacks. Yeah, and 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 then Kelsey with that positional advantage. And if you look at you look at the finalists last year uh, for the the SFBX, only one of the the guys who ended up in the finals had Kelsey rostered. Kelsey's such a huge positional advantage. I don't understand how that happened. Yeah. But I mean it, it it is what it is. So I like I'm I'm really kind of weighing right now. I'm probably overthinking it. I probably just need to like close my eyes, pick and and go. But see what happens. It would be so hard for me to not take Mahomes there. Yeah. Oh and that's honestly for me. But but I think I think Mahomes, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Dak, all give you a really similar yeah. build. Like I really do, and and then you have to start looking at bye weeks. You have to start looking at because because the playoffs start in week Ooh, fourteen. Four, yeah, and, and and there are I can't and and I haven't can't remember what teams, but there are there are four. I think four, maybe five teams on must be four if we're playing even number of teams like four teams on by that week to start the playoffs so i'll have to look at that yeah so you you know you you that that colors things a little bit it's there there is some strategy to this even though in the grand scheme of things you're playing in a 1900 person tournament and it's all just a crap but yeah yeah yeah, yeah, you almost have to like hit on whatever you neglect the first ten rounds. You almost have to hit on the second draft, the second half of your draft to be successful. And and I think it gets really tough. Like I've been looking at it, like after round ten, it gets really, really ugly. And, and you you start to look at like, do I take kickers because you know the the week to week variance isn't as much and you're probably going to get between eight and 15 points from, from the top tier kickers, or are you going to, you know, try to go, you know, take a big swing and, and end up with, with like running backs who may end up being the guy or, or, you know, hoping that like AJ green, you know, has a second coming back there or even some of these like AJ, (sighs) once you start talking about AJ green with the way those kicker points are, I might rather throw him in my flex, the kicker. Yeah. Well, that's what like, and, and what do you do? And like, like Rondell Moore in that same offense, like has potential to have these big boom weeks, but you don't know when to play him because most of the, most of the, you know, the volume is going to go to Hopkins and like uh, Elijah Moore. Do you trust, the reports coming out of New York that that you know he and, and Zach Wilson are setting everything on fire, or do you think that it's still on fire from the previous regime and it's just burning down around everybody? Like, what do you yeah. what do you do? So it, yeah. it is it, it is gonna be really, really interesting. But I do think that there are I won't give away all my secrets, but I do think that there are some plays back there uh that make a lot of sense uh with the scoring. Let's say that. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> Yeah, and you have to look at the scoring a little bit. And um, Addison Hayes has his um, huge spreadsheet put together yeah. as well, where you can get for I think it's a buck or three dollars to charity, and you you get the whole thing. And that's got a lot on it, and that has all the scoring kickers and everything added to it this year. So th- that's a nice little piece. So 
Yeah, th- there are a lot of people who've done a lot of great work. You mentioned Addison, uh, Jen Akins at four for four has done a big Scott yeah. Fishbowl uh, write up, which was awesome. Um, like I said, there's the the football workshop that that has the ADP Hogue. Uh, we can't we can't forget John yep. oh, doing those mocks. Yeah, doing the yeoman's work with the mocks. Like there there are a lot of people who have put in a lot of extra effort to to kind of help you out if if you're uh, if you're willing to you know pony up a little bit for charity which should be yep. and that's the whole point of all this yeah absolutely and and like two to three bucks to the charity with the addison's doing and that's yeah. nothing for the work he put into that yeah so i super appreciate you zach thanks a ton for doing this tell them anywhere to find you anything you want to push uh i'm looking I'm just I'm I'm hanging out in the DMs with the DFPN. There's network. new dummies out. Yeah, there is today. Today it's just me yeah. though. I hate to disappoint you, uh, but there but there is a uh, a new dummies out. It's mostly fishbowl talk. Uh, a lot of the stuff we just talked about, and and a shout out to like Leo Pasiga and 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 some of the other people who are putting out some some really great great tweets. But you can find. Me and everything I do at the DFPN network, and I've got a great group of of guys over there. That it's it's really not me. They make the show go. So it's you know it's it's Salito, Kevin Catillo, Stephen Marcus. It's Kyle still. He's still behind the scenes. We love Kyle. Uh, it's it's Russ Fisher. It's J Mike uh, at J Mike Check. It's FF Trader Joe. Joe is anything it's like that an I all star group. Just any, keep going. Holy it, shit. Anything that I do that looks intelligent on Twitter is probably Joe. Like he literally <laughs> is like the puppet master behind the scenes and and does such amazing work and also has done some great stuff with the the SFB Avi makers and and Matt Foreman is kind of our unsung hero. He is as our Devi guy right now. He's he's uh, helping a prospect grow up. He just had a, a a baby not very long ago, probably six months ago. So he's had his hands full, but but it's a really great group of guys uh over there with nice. the with the DFPN network. So <laughs> that's awesome man. Well I appreciate you making the time for this. I am at Swagzilla Zero G. This is at Superflex City. <laughs>